Napa know-how. There are lots of amazing cars on the road, but perhaps none more amazing than the paid-off car. It may not be pretty, but the price is right. Heck, if you keep that thing running, it'll actually start paying you. Because with Napa Rewards, for every $100 you spend, you'll get $5 off. So keep your car running longer, stronger with Napa Rewards, and watch the savings start rolling in. That's Napa Know-How. Napa Know-How. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, truth seekers. You're listening to A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com. And I'm your host, Michael Fordham. Look, if you just clicked the link on my webpage or you're listening on blogtalkradio.com or even the Blog Talk Radio player on my Facebook page and you want to call in live, look, we'd love to talk with you. Here's the number, 347-326-9470. Or if you like, you can tweet me your questions and comments at A Measure of Truth. Also, if you haven't yet, why not look me up on Facebook? I'm the Michael Fordham with a photo of me in studio, and you can always email me your questions and comments at a measure of truth at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow, like, and repost us on Facebook and Twitter. Look, we have a great show for you today. We'll be right back after this. Some of the most driven, successful, wealthy, and famous people you've ever heard of have just one thing in common. That is the ability to do what they say they will do and do it without hesitation. This is a real game changer. And if you look back at your own life, every good thing that you wanted for yourself, every dream that you've ever dreamed, every idea that you had to seek out your fortune, everything you told friends, family, and peers that you would do that did not come to pass due to challenges or unforeseen circumstances, most likely died or were put on hold due to inaction. Wikipedia says procrastination from Latin's procrastinare. That translates into the prefix pro, forward, and the suffix crastinus, till next day, from crass, tomorrow, is the avoidance of doing a task that needs to be accomplished. Sometimes procrastination takes place until the last minute before deadline. Procrastination can take hold on any aspect of life. Putting off cleaning a stove, repairing a leaky roof, seeing a doctor or dentist, submitting a job report or academic assignment, or broaching a stressful issue with a partner. Procrastination can lead to feelings of guilt, inadequacy, depression, and self-doubt. 
So we can see from this that procrastination not only has a negative connotation, but some very unhealthy side effects as well. All the more reason why now is the time to take a close look at your life and set a plan in place to make a change for the better. Far be it from me to highlight a problem without a solution. So we have a special call-in show today to give you the opportunity to call in live and speak with the author of The Discipline of Now, Eric Twiggs, who is a professional speaker who has delivered training and motivational speeches to help businesses and individuals realize their goals by unleashing their unlimited potential. Eric's specialty is time management and he is known as your procrastination prevention partner. His message will inspire you to maximize your time, minimize your stress, and break the habit of procrastination so that you can operate in your divine calling with 12 practical principles to overcome procrastination. Eric Twiggs, welcome back to A Measure of Truth. Hey, thank you for having me on your show. Oh, man, it's great to have you back. You know, I'm still reeling from the uh, the first book and um, got through it. And, boy, that's really introspective stuff. You really have to prepare yourself uh, <laughs> and be ready to act <laughs> before you crack that thing open. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I uh, in the book, I wanted to make it as interactive as possible so it's not just reading theory that you actually get a chance to practice uh, the concepts in the book, and it sounds like you've taken a lot of time to practice those concepts. Yeah, yeah, well, p- apparently not enough, but yeah, <laughs> you know, you know, th- this is um, this is a life changing event, and and it causes you. I mean, we've been on autopilot for so long, and we're not really thinking about some of the things that you bring out in the book that we should address, and um, it, it's quite a challenge. I mean, I see the benefits, of course, but there really is um, so things that we have let go that we just have not addressed, you know, and without thinking about them consciously, they they pretty much have taken over our lives. Absolutely. Yes. That's why we have to be, I mean, I I talk a lot about awareness in the book and hopefully as the the reader heightens their awareness to all these things that can cause you to procrastinate and put the plan to move forward. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because, I think this is a great time to talk about this because a lot of us have gotten into the habit. Uh, I don't know if it's because of being around family as a part of this whole process of this New Year's resolution or, you know, going back over your life and thinking about the things that you might want to change. But it, it seems to be, you know, that cycle sort of begins around now. Yes. I mean, we, we get into the time of year where everybody's making New Year's resolutions and saying, you know what, January is going to be different. All the gyms are jam-packed, but (laughs) by March, April, it's back to business as usual. Right, right. And And that's um, why I'm not not a big fan of New Year's resolutions. It's it's about setting goals and working your plan. I'm actually more of a fan of having the shorter-term goals. What are you going to do in 90 days? Right. And um, for me, it's it's been even shorter than that. Um, mm-hmm. I, I've really been working on lately just um, looking at what I want to do and starting it right away. Right. And just figuring out when I can finish it once it's started. And yeah. um, my, my whole thing is just, you know, get in there and start doing it. I'm a person who can do a number of different things at the same time, especially if I get started. <laughs> and mm-hmm. but that's the that's the whole thing there. If you if you get into the planning phase, sometimes that's all you end up doing is planning. Right. Right. And and sometimes planning can be what we call creative avoidance. Mm. It's a way for mm-hmm. us to say, Oh, you know, I don't have enough I haven't done enough planning. I haven't gotten all my ducks in a row. But deep down right, we're right. we're really afraid to get started. Yeah, yeah. And and a lot of times what we do is we pull out all the obstacles we think we might um, come across, and, and most of them aren't obstacles that you would definitely have to address, but they're just things that could happen, and it's a way, of, again, for us to just back away. Yes. So, and, you know, Eric, what, tell what us it, a, what it, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, go right ahead. No, I was just going to say what it boils down to is fear. 
Yeah. And 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 my I've done a lot of workshops since we've launched the book, and fear is usually the number one cause that's that leading to procrastination. And a lot of the stalling and the planning and some of those things is because deep down we're afraid of something. Yeah. And, and what are the fears you think that people are um, afraid of that they're not admitting to? So here's what's interesting. I've been seeing this a lot lately. Fear of success is becoming more of an issue. Believe it or not, oh. it it's 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 running neck and neck with fear of failure. So it's and it's fear of success, meaning if I'm successful, they're going to be asking me to repeat this level of performance, and I'm, I'm oh. not sure that I can do that. Mm. Wow. You know, if I yeah. do a great job with this presentation. They're going to ask me to do do the, uh, something like this again, and if I don't measure up to what I did, then they're going to be disappointed. So I'm, I'm seeing a lot of fear of success. Mm. Wow. And, and, you know, when you try something new, there's always an ebb and flow in that. And, you know, even when you do a good job the first time, um, down the road you may not do as well, but maybe you have prepared more or did something differently. But eventually you will be better at whatever it is that you do over and over and over again. That's part of the process as well. Yeah, you you just hit on something that's critical. It's really about the process. If, mm. if you one one of the solutions to overcoming that is to really focus on the process. Focus yeah. on focus on how you're preparing and how you're planning and the repetition and the outcome mm. is be the outcome. And, and you find mm. that when you do invest in the process the outcome usually ends up where you want it to be. Right, right. And um, at at that point, it just requires some focus. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, um, you know, one of the biggest distractors, detractors, of course, is ourself, you know, is what we think. And when we take our mind off of um, the thing that we're trying to do, um, that's energy that really can't be put into the process. Right. Right. Mm. But but you have a limited amount of control on the outcome, but you have complete control over what you do to prepare. And, and I can just, yes. if I look back at things that didn't, if it's a presentation or what have you, that didn't go as well as I thought it could have, there's usually something I could go back to in the process. And then when I go back and I correct it, I can be better mm-hmm. moving forward. And, and that's, you know, it's all about not being afraid to fail and, you know, being focused enough to pull those nuggets out of the things that didn't go as well as you thought that would allow right. you to still have the presence of mind to correct them. Right. Yeah. Right. And yeah. and, it's, and the thing is the people that that have kind of mastered, that that, we, that are masters in their arena, if you look, they they have a prolific level of output meaning they put out a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. So like my like we take someone like a, the late Maya Angelou. She's known for six or seven poems, but she's written she wrote over 250. Mm. So it's that it's that whole process again. It's she's constantly putting putting work out, putting art out, course correcting. And, and that's really the key to success. Wow, yeah. And and, and that's a great term. Um, I've heard it before, but I think that's something that's a real nugget is course correcting. You know, you don't always have to know exactly where you're going, but know along the way something will tell you that you need to change direction, and you can do that. Yeah, and that that's why failure is critical to your success. Oh, it, it's, it's, okay. Yeah, it's, <laughs> that sounds you know, crazy. When you, started, <laughs> when you started that phrase, failure – I, I heard something else getting ready to come out, and then you said it's critical to your success. That really threw me for a loop. <laughs> but but think about it. We we talk about course correcting. You, you have to fail, and the key mm. is, is learning from your loss. Mm-hmm. And once you learn, and that's that's why you have people that do they can do something for ten years, fifteen years, but they don't really they, they aren't really a master. Because it's oh, not yeah. that, that that process of deliberate practice where you're failing, getting feedback, learning from it, and then going going at it again, mm. and that that's mm-hmm. really the key to 
So, and I think that mm-hmm. can help you to overcome your fears when you really hone in on the process and you learn mm-hmm. from yeah. your failures. You can keep moving forward. Right, right. So some people who think that they've mastered something just because they don't fail at it are not any better, can never get to master level because they stopped improving for fear of doing something a little different and it not succeeding. Yes. And it's been, you know, it's been said, so some people, you can do something for 10 years, but really it's one year repeated 10 times, right? Yeah. <laughs> because okay. we, we didn't really learn, <laughs> you know, we didn't learn. And, and that's why I, I'm a big believer in coaching and having a mentor and having someone that can, that can give you that feedback. Right. Because that, that can really help you to improve and move forward. Yeah. And, and that requires some work first, firsthand and, um, First, you have to learn to be introspective, and then you have to learn to accept corrective criticism. Wow. Yes. That's, that's tough. It's tough for a lot of people because a lot Absolutely. of people who want to do great things, too, they seem to get a power from their confidence that borders on arrogance. But, you know, they, they, they're really fragile in the sense that they can't learn from someone giving them advice and helping them to, you know, really go down the path that they would like to uh, travel. Yeah, and again, I think it's all about having the right perspective on feedback, and you, you really have to to value that. And one of the things I like, I, li- I like video and audio feedback. Because like I was, mm. for example, I was in Toastmasters, and I remember I got, I had someone, they gave me feedback, said, Eric, you used this filler five times. <laughs> and I said to myself, wow. no, I didn't do that. But then I went and I watched the video, and sure enough, it was just like she said. Wow. So the feedback was right there. And, and that's mm-hmm. why I, I think if you can start to record, there's a way you can record what you're doing and play it back. I think that only helps you to improve. Yeah. Yeah, and I definitely understand what you mean by that. Um, I have to be honest with you. When I first started, um, I listened to a few shows, and then after that, I didn't want to listen anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Just in radio because I was still working it out. And um, I really felt angst and anxiety from, you know, listening to some of the things that went wrong. But eventually I learned how to, you know, fix those things in post-editing and, you know, make them good again. So that was one of the things, just like you said, if you can make a plan, if you can learn from your mistakes and understand how to resolve it, that can give you the confidence to be out there and understand too, that if things go wrong, they can be fixed. Yes. And that's why I uh, was at Peter Drucker. He described feedback as the breakfast of champions. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, I don't know if I can take it early in the morning, maybe after coffee, but uh <laughs> Wow. That's awesome. And um, you know, you are very well read. You prepared yourself quite a bit for this book. And um one of the things I think that I meant to ask you the last time we had on the show is I really wanted to um sort of dissect the title because um it's called the discipline of now. And so let's talk a little bit about the discipline because, you know, with most disciplines, they sort of have rules and um, ways that you go about um, defining whether or not you're following or not following exactly this discipline. Tell us a little bit about it. Well, I I titled it the discipline of now just because I didn't want anybody to think that there's such a thing as a – anti-procrastination gene that you're just genetically predisposed <laughs> that you know so you see, if you see someone that's always on point they they're just natural they're just a natural it, it requires discipline it requires mm-hmm. focus it requires doing the right things consistently and because if you don't it's easy to slip back mm-hmm. it's easy to slide back so the difference between someone that's at a master level is the habits that they've created. Right. So that's really, it's about the discipline. So because people people look at me, I've written a book on procrastination, so they think, oh, yeah, it's easy for you to say, you, of course you wouldn't procrastinate, but you have no idea. I, I have to have certain disciplines in place where it's easy for me to slide as well. And that's why I titled it The Discipline of Now. Yeah, yeah. 
And um, and just making that transition, first of all, to to get out of your head about thinking about it and just start doing it. And, right. um, you know, one of the things I admire about you is every time I have you on the show, you're always there. As soon as I open up the switchboard, there he is. Okay, there he is. <laughs> right there, he's ready. I don't have to call you to confirm you've already sent me a text or sent me something on Facebook or you, I just know you're ready. And um, well, well, that, Michael, when you when you, when you put a when you write a book on procrastination, it puts pressure on you to be on time. So. <laughs> <laughs> I understand, but and, and you know which is great. But another thing that it does too, and I would think that it it's going to be something that is reflected with everyone you do business with, is I'm sure I'm not the only one who thinks that. And it instills a certain amount of confidence and respect in the person, too, because you know that you can count on them. Yes, it does. And it, it, you, I'm always amazed. I'll do different speaking engagements, and the meeting planner will comment, wow, he's on time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and to me, that that's something that's supposed to happen, but apparently from their, when I talk to them from their experiences, that's not the normal thing. So right, I, right. I do believe, to your point, that if you make it a point to be early to everything, just that in and of itself can set you apart and give you that yeah. edge over your competition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and um, today it saved me. I've been ready for this show since um, 6.15, but um, <laughs> I had a number of problems just getting the show started. And luckily, again, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not that worried about it. I don't get frazzled because I know I can fix it in post, and it's just going to be some dead air that we'll have to trim up. But, you know, preparation is everything. And um, I, I just want to let people know, too, I'm a, you know, I always have a plan B, C, and D, sometimes an E as well. But I, I'm down to D today. <laughs> <laughs> and luckily for me, I had something else to go on. Um, and it's just amazing because radio is something that doesn't wait for anyone. And there aren't many um, careers or um, I would guess instances where you have no wiggle room. You just have to make it happen at the time it needs to happen. And that's it. You just, there's really nothing you can do. It just has to happen. The show must go on. You've heard that phrase many, many times, but it's drilled in us. And, um, for someone to um, master your craft and also be able to teach people also um, how to benefit from um, not only just being prompt, but also um, making a plan and completing tasks, you know, that, that is the key to success in life. It really is. Absolutely. And I think what you just said, one of the keys to – always having a plan B is to really take full ownership for everything that happens and take full responsibility because mm-hmm. I, I've worked with people that would say, if let's say the show didn't start on time. Well, you know, it was because of the technical difficulties. No, it wasn't because of the technical difficulties. It was because that person wasn't prepared for the technical difficulties. And right. I think you have to, you really have to take full ownership and full responsibility. And just like if I do a speaking engagement, if, the even though I might have emailed someone my introduction, if they don't have it, and that it's my fault because I didn't bring a backup copy. I didn't bring bring a backup copy. Mm-hmm. Right. If you know, if my if the computers go down and I can't use PowerPoint, and all I planned was PowerPoint, I can't blame the technology. I, it's my fault. I wasn't prepared. I didn't have a plan B. Yeah, and I think that that's what we learn, too, when we make mistakes. We learn um, how to create that plan B because it's the thing that we had to do when we couldn't do what we thought would be the way. Yes, absolutely. And and tell us, you know, you work with people one-on-one. You do this quite a bit. Um, and how, how do you begin with someone to sort of um, – get them on board and to pick apart the things that would make them say, oh, well, you know, maybe not, or I I think I'm okay, or how do you really get them to really recognize that, you know, you can help them and things will be so much better? Well, we start talking about goals. You know, what is it 
what is it that you want? And in many cases, that's a that's a major stumbling block. Stumbling block. Very few people have written down goals. If it's a room full of a hundred people, chances are it'll be three people in the room that have actually written down their goals and have specific timelines. And then the question I'll ask is, okay, so if they do know their goals, or once we get to their goals, the question is, why don't you have it already? Why don't you have what you want already? And that just opens up a lot of dialogue, and we can start to unpack what's – is it fear? Is it their being a perfectionist? Is it – so we we really can unpack what's keeping them from where they want to be. Wow, and that's a tough conversation, so I guess you – pretty much do this one-on-one one-on-one um when we speak you know i do a lot of workshops with various groups and we spend a lot of time talking about what's keeping them from the goal what's causing them what's causing them to procrastinate and i, I never have a problem getting feedback i, I mean there's all kinds of things wow. that come out and mm-hmm. we, so, so from there we start to attack it and put a plan together Oh, that's great. That's great. So if you have someone that um, maybe their goals are um, out of sync with what maybe what they can actually achieve or their abilities, do you ever run into that and have to sort of back someone down or help them to understand that they're looking or uh, seeking something that may be out of reach for them? Yes, that that happens a lot. And, you know, it's, mm. it's like someone who says they're going to run a marathon next month and they haven't run in five years <laughs> so, you, mm-hmm. so you have to say hey we may, may want to slow this down let's work on doing a three mile run and then kind of build from there for example but yeah that's, that's right, quite right. often that's, but mm-hmm. the bigger issue I run into is we don't set goals that are aggressive enough oh, I, I really? if you're, if, yeah, if, you're, if you're reaching for a goal it should be something that causes you to stretch so it should, yes. it should be a fifty, at least a fifty percent likelihood of happening. But it causes you to stretch, because mm-hmm. if you have to stretch, you'll be more likely to take action. Mm. If it's a goal that you could, basically, it doesn't really cause you to stretch. You know, if you're in a business and your sales are flat, and you say you're going to run a three percent increase, okay, yeah, that's, <laughs> you know, that, that's not going to really cause you to to really take massive action. Right, right. That's I mean, when that it could happen. That's the bigger thing I see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a 3% increase could just happen just because. It right. may not be your effort at all. Yeah, so I understand exactly what you're saying. And um, the goals are about the growth. That's what I hear yeah. you saying. It's about growing. And um, the more you set goals, and I think that you start to reach these goals, you start to think that you can – well, I wouldn't say this. Uh, you wouldn't. You wouldn't think that you can do just about anything, but you can definitely think through the process a lot better. And uh, it helps you to also measure yourself and understand what your limitations are, which are very important. Yes, absolutely. And and it builds momentum. And mm-hmm. it does. I think it does build confidence because you start to trust yourself more and more. When you right. say when you do what you say you're going to do, you you achieve a goal that you set out to achieve. It just builds confidence. And hopefully yeah. the listeners don't underestimate the power of, of putting that goal in writing. That yeah. is, uh, there's things that I've written down and didn't look at it, and then I've gone back at the end of the year and saw that I accomplished it. <laughs> and wow. I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> there's power in putting putting the goal in writing. Yeah. Yeah, and, and everything that we ever do in our lives, we start with a, a thought, which then, you know, once you write it down, those are words, and that's really a plan in itself. And, yeah. um, you know, and then from there you brought that thing into the real world, and, you know, it sort of continues. That yeah. thing is birthed into something that is a reality and as long as you do the work. Yeah, you hit on a great point. And I tell people, you know, I, I'm a big fan. I, I like doing vision boards, and I'm mm. a big fan of that. But if you mm-hmm. you can put all these pictures up, but if you aren't committing to do, you're not committed to doing the work, it'll just be pictures of things that you don't have. <laughs> 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 that's, 
That's it. I, mean, <laughs> I don't have the house. I don't have that red car. I don't have my oh tuition. Wow, man. Oh, wow, Eric. Um, someone just looked at the vision board now and started tearing down the papers, man. <laughs> Again, I'm a big fan, Michael. I, I'm, I'm a fan mm. of the board, but I'm a bigger fan of taking the action that's going to bring that to reality. Right, right. And I think that that's something you have to look at, too. You, you can't just find more pictures. You have to say, so what am I doing? What right. am I doing to get there? Yeah. Yes. And um, and if you can't connect yourself to the thing that you would need to do, maybe it is time to tear down that uh, vision board and, you know, find another goal. Right. Yeah. Right. And then you have and, to ask yourself, why do you want the goal? Why is it? What, yes. What does that mean to you? Why is it important? Mm-hmm. And and if it evokes and, and, a kind of an emotional response, you know you've got the right thing. Exactly. And, you know, that's interesting that you say this, too, because a lot of people want the things that they think that other people got that made them happy. Right. So it's not the thing that they want. It's just that they think that if they have this thing as well, that they will feel, you know, proud, confident or happy about it the way the person that they admire or admire their things um, feels. And um, that's not the right way to set a goal. No. And um, those things will never make you happy, and um, the issue is probably a lot deeper. So yes. let me ask this question. I'm sure that when you start to peel back the layers with some of the people that you've met with as well, um, do you often find that there are um, issues there that are beyond your reach because it's really not in the category of your expertise, but it's more um, um for lack of a better term, medical. Very rarely, very rarely. I mean, sometimes I'll deal with a couple, uh, be talking to a couple, and they have just some deep-seated marital issues where we need to bring mm-hmm. in a counselor mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. before we can actually move forward because they're they're moving in opposite directions and they'll say things just to oh. contradict the other person. Right. Right. And and that's something really good as well, because um, when you're married, you have to have a partner in your goals. Um, Yes. And if there's someone pulling against you, that adds to the thing that could possibly happen. Like you said, you write things down and then fair next thing you know, you have it. But that's one of the things that will interfere if you have friction and chaos in your household. That can definitely keep you from reaching your goals. Absolutely. So, yeah, that, so that's something. I mean, it's you know, there has to be a certain level of agreement to be able to move forward, mm-hmm. certainly. Wow. And, um, and after that level is reached, then they come back to you and um, actually um, work on making a plan for success. Yes. Wow. Absolutely. And, and that, that's pretty awesome. Um, you know, Eric, you've got some some really um, great people skills, and um, how, how do you think you, you develop that? Have you always been that guy? I think it's a process. It's been a process. It's just been mm. just over the years of just interacting with people, and because you know, and it's funny you say that because I, I talk to people all the time that say, "Oh, I could never do that. I'm just so introverted," or "I could never do this because." I think you have to have a growth mindset, and, and you can really improve. And you can, and I, I see it all the time. I mean, I see people that are, you know, I, I knew them years ago. They were extremely introverted, and now they're doing great things in in public arenas. Yeah. So I think it's 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 just staying on the road of development. And I just think, I mean, like you mentioned earlier, I, I do a lot of reading, and I, and I, I think that's a great habit to embark on because there's there's things I read that come up that I can use in conversations with people that can help people. So it's yeah. just been a while. And, I, and I'm, still, I'm still a work in progress. I feel like I can still get better at different things. So I think it's, it's just been a gradual development. Yeah, and, and the great thing is you're willing to. And that's something, too, that we all need to take on is we want to be a person who's continually growing and, and becoming better. 
and yeah. let that be one of the things you admire about yourself the most and, you know, something that you hold on to. And, and that will help you in itself to become um, successful because yes. it, it, it sort of tears down the wall of a, a limitation. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And and this is one of the things I've looked at myself. I mean, it's funny that I'm in radio because when I was a, a, a young child, I was very shy, very timid hmm. for most of my life. And... Um, and then all of a sudden things changed. And I'm not really sure how that happened, but I just know that I no longer wanted to be that way. Mm-hmm. I didn't like what people were saying about me. And, you know, I didn't like what, as soon as someone saw me that they sort of thought that they knew who I was just based on my my demeanor, my posture, my attitude. And, and those are things I didn't like and I wanted to change. And you know, I quickly shed those things. Yeah, and so it sounds like, I mean, that motivated you to want to improve yourself and, and want to do better. And, and that's that's something that I see a lot of times. If someone is quiet, the sometimes we perceive that that person doesn't have anything to add. Right. But, for example, one of the, one of the most undervalued skills is listening. Yes. And, and people that tend to be more introverted are better listeners. Right. And when you're interacting with people, if you can listen, you, mm-hmm. you can really start getting along well because people, people want to be heard. Exactly. So hopefully someone, that, yeah. if there's someone that's listening that's putting a label, oh, I'm just an introvert, I can't do that. There's a lot that you can accomplish, and I would challenge the listener not to accept any labels that somebody tries to put on them. Yeah. Wow. And and that's what we do. <laughs> you know, people label us and we buy into it as if what they say is true based on perception, you know, but we get to choose how people perceive us. And we often forget that. Yes. And, and here's the other thing is people, I believe that people are situational. Nobody is the mm. same in every single situation. If you see someone right, right. that's in a meeting with their boss, if you see that same person hanging out with their high school friends, they're not going to be the same person. Yeah, so you, You're just yeah. seeing that person in that particular setting and trying to box, <laughs> box them in and say that that's who they are, and that's just simply not the case. Right. It's funny because it's something I observe all the time. Um, you can always see child and any person if you happen to see them with their parents no matter how right. old they are you'll you'll mm-hmm. see that come out um yeah and you know yeah I, I think that a lot of times we find ourselves especially you know here's another thing too people need help um when they're out networking and understanding you know how to encapsulate what they do the way yeah. That gets them what they want. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it seems and it, to me that you would have a lot of experience with that and some tips and tricks for that. I wanted to go ahead and interject with that. Yeah. To me, you, you can't go wrong by focusing on what's important to the other person. What What are their problems? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. What are their challenges? And leading with how you solve their problem. And really, oh, okay. and my goal, if I go to a networking function, I want to talk 20% of the time and listen 80% of the time. Mm-hmm. And just really find out, again, what are their challenges. And so, for example, and then when you present your offering in a networking situation, it's not your official job title. It's how you solve their problem. So, for example, I'm not mm-hmm. – so if you so if you ask me what do I do – I'm not a motivational speaker. I'm your procrastination prevention partner. That's the problem that I solve. And I think if you, from a networking standpoint, if you're focusing on, and then here's the other thing that's critical in a networking situation. My goal is to be a connector. So if I know someone is looking for, if we're we're talking and they mention they're looking for a good realtor, I have all kinds of people I'm connected to in real estate. So I try to connect the two of them. Mm-hmm. 
And it's just eventually it, it, it comes back around. Yeah. So I think and, that the big um, key is taking the focus off of yourself, focus, really listening and then working to be a connector. That would be my advice. Right. And, you know, another good point that you made as well, and I sort of hinted and alluded to it myself in the um, intro, is um, if you see a problem, you know, you, it's okay to talk about it if you have a solution. <laughs> if, if you don't have a solution, there's no point in highlighting what you see. That just becomes a gripe session. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> it. It becomes criticism at that point. But if right. you are offering some assistance, and that's why I like your procrastination partner, and it shows right. that Here's that word that, oh, okay, wait a second, makes your shoulders a little tight. But then you say partner, meaning that not that you're a procrastinator as well, but someone who can help you with something that is so difficult to address, you know, and you just put that out there right away. That has got to, you know, pull some ears back and raise an eyebrow. Yes. I mean, a lot of times the reaction I get is, oh, really? No, tell me about that. Yeah. And that's something that you want. (laughs) You want to make a statement that invokes a question that not just says, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And that's where some people are left with, um, you know, some of these careers that um, pretty much make you sort of shy away from asking a person more about what they do. You know, and right. Um, right. I think a lot think, of people. Go ahead. Oh no! I just wanted to say I think a lot of people in IT could learn a lesson from that as well because the way they say what they do generally speaks to an end all meaning. Yeah, this is what I do. That's enough. So what else are we talking about? Right. Right. Yeah. So again, yeah, I think if you, if you frame it as far as how you solve their problem and provide solutions, and if you can. You know, master this idea that less is more. I think that's huge too. Mm, yeah. But I, I yeah. think. But I know, like from from a networking standpoint, it's easy to be so results focused. I know when I used to start going my to networking functions, my goal is okay. I have to collect a certain number of business cards, and yeah, then mm. I have to get a certain number of people on my email distribution list, and then I have to get them on my <laughs> LinkedIn page. So you're so results-focused that you miss out on the right. relationships that you can build. Yeah. yeah. And what's and, funny and that, is when you focus on being a connector, you end up with those results. <laughs> oh, exactly. Right. And, and you get them in a way that wasn't, um, you know, obtrusive. You know, you, you're getting it because – you want to help that person. And then the person that you're connecting them to, then, you know, they have a favor that they want to pay back to you. Yes. And the worst thing is to go to a, and I'm sure it's happened to everyone. You go to a networking function, you're talking to someone, you exchange information. Next thing you know, you're getting that person's weekly emails. Oh, (laughs) And you're saying to yourself, well, I don't recall giving this person permission to start sending me these emails every week. Mm-hmm. But but it's very off-putting. Yes. And it comes across as salesy as opposed to really trying to connect and build relationships. Right. Mm. And um, one of the other things I wanted to ask you about as well, um, a lot of people have a goal in mind, and they're trying to maybe um, transition a lot of people who are have been doing things um, at work where they feel that they could be better served um, doing that for themselves. Um, have you worked with people who are just trying to start their own business in the field that they're already in and um, that they, they feel like they could make this transition, but then they get bogged down in the process because they don't, they don't really know how to gauge when to let go? Yes. Yes, and I, I don't. And if you're in that situation, I don't think it's a, a requirement that you just jump right in. You know, I, I think there's there's a difference between prudence and procrastination. 
I, mm. I think if you're in a situation like that, it's prudent to do your research and you know, get the facts. And what, what I would recommend to someone in that situation is to find people that are succeeding on their own in that particular business and find out what associations do they belong to, what networks are they a part of. And many times mm-hmm. the, attending those association meetings and networking-related functions can really shorten the learning curve. Yeah. And yeah. You, may, and, and that, you may start doing that and then realize that, hey, you know what, I don't know if I would really want to do this. <laughs> right. And, you know, interestingly enough, that's why I think mentors are so important because a lot of times – your peers may consider you competition, but a mentor who's already, you know, pretty much where they need to be, they are well-established, and they don't mind sharing these nuggets and guiding you through some of the pitfalls or helping you to avoid some of these that um, they have gone through. And um, it, that's one of the things you have to do in goal setting as well. It's just like you said, you need to figure out a way to shorten the learning curve and to make yeah. things happen quickly. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I, yeah. Mentors have been critical for me. And I mean, Dr. Willie Jolly is an example of someone who's been a mentor for me. Mm. And just wow. and and again, I my contact with him through the National Speakers Association. I mean, and that that really helped. If I had just tried to jump out on my own, I don't. I would have really had some painful lessons. <laughs> but now. You know, you, now, Dr. Jolly actually did this um, just f- from you guys become associated with one another and, and on a friend basis, or did you pay for life coaching or something like that? No, we, um, we're we in the same National Speakers Association chapter. And just okay. several years of being in the same chapter. Wow. We kind of formed a, formed a relationship that way. And he's, I mean, he's definitely someone, you look at what he's accomplished, I mean, he's definitely someone I look up to yeah. as a mentor. Mhm. That's awesome. Yeah. And um and it's important to to find a mentor who's doing the thing that you want to do. Um a lot of times yeah. people will find guidance in someone that they just respect as, you know, have acquired a, a great deal of wisdom. Um mm-hmm. but in today's world, you know, that can only go so far because um it seems like the the roadmap has changed for everyone in business with social media and, and technology and just so many different things. And what it's allowed you to do is ex- succeed very quickly or fail very quickly if you don't make those adjustments that um, we were talking about earlier. Yes, that's why it's important to have someone who's doing what you want to do, but they have they have the result that you want. Yes. So they they're, the they're an example. That that's that's a huge key. Mm. Wow. Yeah, and um, and this is where people are often overlooked who are are elderly. We really need to to have conversations with them more often because there's yep. so much that we can learn from them just about life and um in general. And we're losing that art of conversation but they can teach you that art just by sitting down and listening to them to tell a story or to help you to understand what's important and what's not in the the grand scheme of things. And, um, you know, that's something I really enjoy, um, speaking to people who lived a long life successfully. And um, you'd be surprised at what they would share. And uh, that's another thing about older people, too. They just don't care anymore. They'll let you know about their (laughs) biggest failure, and they'll tell you all the details, you know, without any remorse or embarrassment because it's over and done with. But, um, yeah, it's just amazing. Yeah, I mean, there's no need to reinvent the wheel. I mean, the path is already – someone's already been down the path that you're walking down. Why not find out what they did and what they learned from it? Yeah. Absolutely. And um, we got about 10 minutes left in the show. Are there any um, speaking engagements or book signings that you have coming up in the near future? Yes. Yeah, so the next big one is uh, December the 2nd, 
and I'm doing it with um, Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Shout out to the Deltas. It's in Woodbridge, Virginia. It's their red and white affair. Mm. Like an annual, it's an annual showcase they do, and they have vendors. And so I'll be speaking briefly and signing copies of the book. That's really the next kind of the big thing I've got going on. It's December the second. Okay, great. And um, do you have a website or any other place too that people can um, just keep up with what you're doing and where you're speaking and um, the next yes. book on the horizon? <laughs> <laughs> it's ericmtwigs.com. That's my website, ericmtwigs.com. There, there are links where you can pick up the book, The Discipline of Now. You can also get the book. It's available on Amazon as well. But I mean, so those are the two places you can actually access a copy. And yes, you can kind of see where I'm speaking and some of the latest things I've got going on. Wow. Okay, that's really good. Um, I think I've been to one of those book events before, and um, I, I may try my best to make it down there to Woodbridge. That's not far from me. I'm in Springfield, and um, and it is open, right? It's not something you have to have admission for or anything like that. No, it's open. Like I said, if you um, go to Google, it's the uh, the Red and White Affair. It's the Prince William County chapter of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Okay. All right. Well, hopefully you'll have some other information, too, that you can post on um, your Facebook page and, you know, also on your website um, when we get closer to the date. And um, we'll be sure to, um, you know, link to that and um, get some people out there to um, – you know, pick up your book and probably also um, ask you a whole bunch of questions too while they're getting that signature. <laughs> no, please do. I mean, that that's really what I enjoy, just interacting with people and talking to them in real time about challenges they're having with procrastination or what they're doing to overcome procrastination. So please bring the questions on. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Well, Eric, look, I, I really appreciate you coming on board again. Um, we have to do this more often. And I think next time, too, I'm, I'll, I'll get a panel discussion together with a few other people that we can talk about some other issues um, facing, you know, young people of today as well as um, those of us who are out there just trying to transition to something different. I think that's a, a big demographic right now. Everyone's looking for something. And I was just reading the other day, too, that millennials are um, – everybody has what they call a side hustle now. That has become the um, trendy term of the day. And everybody's yeah. looking to do something a little extra to supplement their income, which I think is a great concept because instead of you sitting there when the job that you've had, you've been comfortable with for so long that, you know, is giving you the, the pension that, you know, you realize it's going to be very beneficial, you know, getting that extra money on your own, doing something different too is, is extremely rewarding. Yes. And it, it's, funny you say that one of um a friend of mine her name is ebony mcmorris she's a radio personality she says something that i've been quoting i think it's important to make your purpose your plan a and your job your plan b right i think that, that side thing that that's really your passion is to really focus on growing in that and building that and I think that's a big key, and that can help you to overcome a lot of fear of, well, what hap What if something happens with my main job and so forth and so on. Mm -hmm. and, and you really need to work towards your side gig becoming so profitable that it costs you money now to go to your 9 to 5. You're losing money <laughs> in the process. Yeah. And yeah. if you can get there, then you have no problems with stepping out and doing what you need to do. You can, right. you know, go full-time first, just using up your vacation time, and then let it go from there. <laughs> yes. But it's very important yeah. to have to have that, that other passion that you're working towards. Right, right. And understand, too, the value of your benefits, because when you transition out, you don't want to just look at, um, you know, dollar signs. You want to look at the value of, you know, health care benefits and the pension plan and everything else that goes along with the job as well. So you're making a fair assessment. Yes. Yes. Again, I mean, like I said earlier, I think you have to be, don't confuse prudence with procrastination. You know, make sure mm -hmm. you get, you do have your information and you've done, you've done your homework and you've prepared accordingly and go back, like you said, 
the importance of having mentors. Talk to people that have made that move, and what are the things that they squared away before they made the move? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Well, hey, you, you did it again, Eric. Um, <laughs> you poured out quite a bit of things that now my head is spinning on some new stuff now, but <laughs> I'm getting back at it again. And, um, you know, the, the big thing is, too, is when, when people generally want to change and they want to improve themselves, they're always open to things that sort of lead them in that direction, regardless of where they come from. And uh, I would hope that everyone would um, sort of fall into the same lane, so to speak, and, and really get on board. If you really want what you want, you got to be willing to do everything it takes to get it. So, Yes. And it takes work. It takes discipline. Yes. And that's the thing that you should be ready to do first and foremost is do what you haven't been doing and also, you know, Starve yourself from some of the things that you like to do that aren't getting you what you want. And uh, that's some of the hardest things to do is drop those bad habits and stop spending money or whatever it is that keeps you from focusing on that goal. And if you've written it out, you probably very soon know exactly what it takes to get there. But um, you got to make that first step. You got to initiate the process by doing your part and writing that thing and looking at it too that will help you to make sure that what you're trying to do really makes sense yes so i've gotten in the habit of writing my goals down every day oh and it just really now so now i take a three by five card that i carry with me in my pocket and so every day at some point i'm writing my goals down and it's just it's just another reinforcement of my subconscious and you start to find things that line up with your goals that you that you may have mm. missed before. So that's yeah. definitely a good habit to get into. Wow. So that's another one I got to do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm piling your plate up, Michael. I'm pl- piling yeah, your plate there you up. Go. You know, that, that, that's fine because the seeds of success, you know, have many leaves, you know, and um, everything that you do um, – that benefits you, you can never do too much. There's no such thing. There's no it's such about habits. Thing. Having the right habits, that's the key. That's it. That's it. All right, Eric. Well, look, thank you for joining us again. We look forward to hearing more from you and um, wishing you the best. And uh, we'll be sure to promote that book signing when it's coming up. Hey, thank you for having me. I enjoyed the time as always. All right. Thank you much again. Bye-bye. Okay, take care. If I may paraphrase Stephen King, the most important things are the hardest things to say. These are the things you feel ashamed of because mere words only diminish the thought. You see, words shrink things that seem limitless when they were in our hearts and minds to no more than just living size when brought out into the open. Oh, but it's more than that, isn't it? You see, the most important things lie too close to wherever your secret heart is buried. Like landmarks to a treasurer, your enemies would love to steal away and use against you at the worst possible moment. But still, you make revelations that cost you dearly, only to have people look at you like you're crazy, not understanding what you've said at all or why you thought it was so important that you almost cried when you were saying it. Do you know what's even worse than that? Is when the secret stays locked within and you can't get it out. Not for want of the courage to talk about it, but for want of someone who will just listen. Just listen. As someone who spends a great deal of time searching for the truth, the lesson that I've learned from this quote is, if you want the truth... You have to be prepared to release all judgment and be open enough to hear and accept the truth in whatever form it might take. Judgment alters the truth by changing how it's told or presented. Not accepting the truth stops the bearer from sharing the truth. 
Ignoring the truth kills ambition and is a recipe for disaster and makes success impossible. We all over the years have learned to guard ourselves against deception, but I've also come to realize that in most cases, you don't even have to discover or discern the truth. You just have to let it be and see it for what it is. Maybe you have a story too. It doesn't have to be just like the one we've heard. Hey, I just want to let you know, I'm here, and I'm willing to listen. All I ask from you is a measure of truth. Yo, everybody get up! Everybody get up! Everybody needs to understand that I'm more than simply a hype man for this rap group. Just like Geico is more than just a company that can save you money. Geico also has fast and friendly claim service, so they can help you when you need it most. And while I do love being a hype man, I also love reading for children's audiobooks. Like Little Bo Peep, she lost the sheep, and she don't know where to find them. Go! Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more.